Ladies of table, how are you guys? Yeah. Hey, if we have not had a chance to meet, my name is Isaac, and I'm one of the pastors here at the table. And such a pleasure being here with you guys. It's going to be a great night. Um, as uh, Doug said, we started off a brand new series today uh, to where we heard from you guys. You told us what you wanted to hear. So here we are. And the question that we're talking about today is how do I make life decisions? So we're going to talk about that. But um, in full honesty, I kind of tweaked the question a little bit. So hopefully I have your permission to do that. But I tweaked the question a little bit because I think it's going to be a little more helpful for us to talk about. So the original question is, how do I make life decisions? Uh, the question that we're going to talk about, which is still in that same vein, is how do we make decisions when we know that our worth is not in our decision making? How do we make decisions when we know that our worth is not in our decision making? So here's what we're going to do for the next 45 minutes, hour, hour and a half, two hours. I don't know how long it's going to take, so just bear with me, guys. Uh, so this is what we're going to do. Um, I'm going to talk about how I struggled with this, how I thought that my worth was in my decision making. Um, and then I'm going to talk about, well, part of the reason I thought that was because everything around me was telling me that. Um, but then we're going to talk about the truth of the gospel and how the truth of the gospel is that our worth is not in our decision-making. And then we actually are going to give very, very practical, super like actionable, practical tips on how to make decisions whenever we do enter those like fork-of-the-road moments, whether it be a little decision, whether it be a medium decision, or whether it be a big decision. Is that cool? Can we do that? Can we do that? All right, let's go. Um, so, y'all, I just turned 30. Yeesh. Oh, man, I'm, let me say, life at 30, a lot of you guys are asking me, hey, Isaac, like, what's it like being 30? What's it like being 30? Like, we need to know, like, oh, like, just so curious. I'm like, do you, like, get magical powers? You, no, here's what happens. You start forgetting things more easily. And uh, also, uh, I've wrestled with this question. And now, I've wrestled with this question for 30 years, how to make life decisions, and which is a little weird for me because I prided myself on my decision-making. I thought I was a person who made really, really good decisions. And part of the reason I thought that was because that was like my family upbringing my entire life was like my, my parents just made really good decisions. I have these two amazing parents, and my, my dad in particular, my dad just made a lot of good decisions in his life. By the time my dad was 30, you know what he had? He had land that he bought. He had a house that he built on top of that land. He had a wife. He had two kids. He had the job. Oh, yeah, and he planted a church. Like, how do you, how do I, well, so when I was 19, I was living on the land that my dad bought when he was 19. That's where I was at 19. So what do I do with that, right? So I'm just looking at my, my parents as like this like standard of like how to make decisions. So that growing up in that, so then priding myself in my decision making. I was like, yeah, I can make good decisions like my parents. Like, let's go, let's go, yeah. So I'm, I'm making decisions, I think good decisions, to where at 24 years old, right, I'm, I'm in Dallas, Texas, right? So I had graduated, I have a degree from Baylor University, right? Sick and Bears. I met another bear earlier, Sick and Bears. I had a degree from Baylor University. I was, uh, had my dream job as a community communications director. Um, I feel like I have my, my life calling, my plan. I had just started this exciting new relationship. I just feel like my life was going really, really, really well at 24. Like I just thought, man, yeah, I've arrived. Every decision that I've made up to this point has allowed me to peak at 24. You know what happened at 28? 28 years old. I'm sitting on the top of a mountain in Dallas. Dallas doesn't actually have mountains, but it's like a big hill. Um, it's, 
I'm sitting on the top of a mountain in Dallas at 28 years old with, I quit my job, I had no source of income, I had a string of failed relationships, I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life, and I wasn't sure who my friends were. Eesh. So what happened? What happened from 24 to 28, right? I thought I prided myself on my decision-making, and now every decision that I had made up to that point was caused me to be by myself on the top. Oh, yeah, it was my birthday, too. Yeah. So it caused me to be by myself on my, on my birthday, right? Because I believed, I believed my worth was in my decision-making. I believed my worth was in my decision-making. And whenever my decision caused me to feel worthless, it wasn't a good feeling, right? Because like, here's how, what I felt in that moment, right? I felt insignificant, I felt insecure, and I felt unsuccessful. And here's what I thought. I thought, am I worse at making decisions? I thought I was good at this. Like at 24, like I peaked, right? So what, what happened? Like, am I worse at making decisions? Like what's going on here? What happened? Because I believed my worth was in my work. I thought my worth was in my, uh, my decision making. And the things that I was feeling, insignificant, insecurity, and this feeling of unsuccessful, I would imagine, I would imagine, that's all of us, We've maybe felt some of those things before at different times in our life, maybe. So, because here's, here's the root of that. Here's what we all want. All of us want significance. All of us want security. And all of us want success, which are not necessarily bad things, right? So those are the things that we're striving for. And then we try to make decisions to get those things. We try to make decisions to get significance. And we try to make decisions to get security. And we try to make decisions to become successful. And part of the reason we do that is because everything around us is telling us to do that, right? Everything, maybe our families that we grew up in, maybe just the friends that we have, the jobs that we had, um, online, social media, the things we see on Netflix, on Hulu, on Disney+, Plus, right? Every, on YouTube, whatever your source of media, media is. Everything around us is telling us those are the things that you want, but not only that, they're telling us, here's what culture's telling us. I'm going to tell you how to get them, Right? This is what, so here's what culture says for significance. You know what culture tells us for significance? It says you need to find significance in your relationships, right? <laughs> or, <laughs> or we find insignificance in our lack of relationships, right? So the culture tells us, man, you want to, you know, you know what? This should be uh, Tinder's, uh, Tinder's bio or Tinder's, uh, uh, their, their slogan, swipe for significance. Come on. Right? And some of you guys are like, Isaac, I'm way more classy than that. I use hinge. Right? <laughs> so, so we're like just swiping for significance. Or, and how about this? How about this? My hand's raised on this one too. Would you, would you agree that it feels a little bit different when you get 15 likes on a post versus 150 likes on a post? Would you? Okay, that one, I, saw, I saw that one stung a little bit. Let me, I'll, I'll pull back a little bit. I'll pull back. So that's what culture is telling us. We're going to find significance in your relationship. So what about security? Where are we going to find security? You know what culture says? You find security in your finances, right? And all, even, even, not even culture, Christian culture is telling us this. There's literally a program called Financial Peace University, <laughs> right? And even Christian culture is telling us, look, you want to find peace? You want to find security? You're going to find it in your finances. But friends, let me tell you, even if you're on baby step number 27, you're going to feel, you're still going to be wondering, do I have enough? Do I have enough? I'm not sure if we find uh, security in our finances, right? And what about, what about our career? 
Sorry, what about uh, success? A lot of us, culture's telling us, you find success in your career, right? And then we're there, and we're like on social media, we're on YouTube, right? And then we just see the, the thumbnail that says, how I created a travel lifestyle making $10,000 a month on passive income while I also found my significant relationship while traveling, and that's the life we live now. Right? Y'all see that, right? And then you're just there on the couch with your like athleisure wear and like messy bun and like eating Cheetos and you're like, yeah, I'll cook that. I'm gonna forget that, right? And, and that's just the life that we want. Like, man, that's the career that I want. I can't do that nine to five. No, I'm not built for that. Not everyone else can do that, but I'm different. I'm different, right? I'm gonna just create this completely different lifestyle, my purpose, my career. I am, there's too much of me to be contained in one office cubicle. No, that's not my career path, right? And then we go from career to career to career to job to job to job trying to find success. So we, culture is telling us all of these things, and we go from career and job, right? We go from relationship to relationship, relationship. We try to make all these financial decisions to try to get these things that we deeply, deeply crave, right? Which is significance, which is security, and which is success, right? So, um, and at the end of the day, we just struggle with worthlessness. We feel like we're not worthy, right? Because our relationships seem to be falling, our career is not where we want it to be, right? Our, um, our finances are not where they want it to be. So maybe, maybe you felt this at one point in your life really, really, really deeply. And culture and psychology would say, if you're in a moment, and maybe you're there right now, because typically um, this season of your life would happen between the ages of like 24, 25 to like 27, 28, this phenomenon in culture, or then psychology and social, sociology, that they would call a quarter-life crisis. Either you are about to enter into, currently in, or just coming out of a quarter-life crisis if you're here at the table. Welcome. Right, so here's what a quarter-life crisis is if you've never heard of it. Um, so this is an article from The Independent, which is a British online publisher, um, which says this. Uh, clinical psychologist Dr. Alex Folk defines the quarter-life crisis as a period of insecurity, doubt, and disappointment surrounding your career, relationships, and financial situations. And all God's people say amen, right? This can, I'll keep going. Uh, this can stem, it's going to be four slides, so I, I wrote it, so you're like, how long is this going to read? It's good. It's a good read, though. It's a good read. Um, this can stem from a period of life following the major changes of adolescence when a person starts to doubt their own lives and begins to face the extent of the stresses associated with becoming an adult he says. And the prevalence of quarter-life crisis seems to be increasing. With today's millennials, and I'll add in Gen Z for some of us in the room, uh, are struggling more financially than their parents did. They are the first generation to be less well-off than the previous one. I compare myself to my dad, no wonder I don't feel like I'm in the same spot as him when I'm 30, right? There's a lot of us that feel that way. So Dr. Folk believes the quarter-life crisis has become increasingly prominent in recent years due to the substantial pressures younger generations face, especially when compared to older generations. Nowadays, he, sa he says this, nowadays 20-somethings are under intense pressure to get themselves onto the housing market, navigate the increasingly complex professional landscape, struggle to maintain relationships, and are common subjected to a distorted notion of life through social media. Literature suggests that key challenges faced by people between the ages of 18 to 35, hey, guess what the table is? 18 to 35, right? Can, uh, can include identity confusion, internal conflict, failing to reach the expectations set for themselves, and uncertainty. For many millennials, listen to this, for many millennials and Gen Z, uh, for many millennials, 
The problem is that they've been brought up to be ambitious, but feel like they can't get anywhere. You grew, up to, you grew up being told you were special? You are, and you try to act out being special, and you can't. That's the world, that's the world we live in, right? We are not where we want to be. 28-year-old Isaac, and even, to be honest, 30-year-old Isaac, is not where he wants to be. And we feel restless in our soul, right, as we're trying to find significance, as we're trying to find security, right, and as we're trying to find success, right? But here's the big idea. I'm introducing it early. Here's the big idea, because I'm going to repeat it over and over and over and over again. Here's the big idea. Your worth is not in your work. Your worth is not in your work. One more time. Your worth is not in your work. Here's the good news of the gospel, is that our worth is not in our work. Our worth is in the work that Jesus did, so our worth is in Christ. So this is exactly what Paul talks about in his letter to the church in Corinth, right? So in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, that's where we're going to be camping out in for a little bit. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, where Paul is going to remind us over and over and over again, that whole chapter, verses chapters 4 and 5, is amazing, right? And this, basically this treatise of where our true worth comes from. So let's look. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. So here's the question that we're looking at. How do we make decisions when we know our worth is not in our decision-making? Well, let's find out where our worth is. So let's do this. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 through 18, where he says this. So we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away, for this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. So he creates this juxtaposition between the outer self and the inner self. So Paul was a really smart dude. In this moment, Paul is actually um, relating to them uh, using a philosopher, Plato. I don't know if you've heard of him. So he, he's referring to Plato as he's talking about the outer self and inner self. And you're maybe like, is that some really like new age crap? Like what's going on? Just, just stay, stay, stay with me here. He talks about the outer self. Right? He said, and you know what he says about the outer self? He says it's wasting away. He says there's light momentary affliction. He th- the things that we can see, things we can touch, even the things that we feel, right? Some, some of us, mean, we put our identity in our feelings, right? You're like, oh, man, I'm just somebody who just, like, feels so deeply. I'm just somebody who just, like, I just go with, with what I'm sensing, and I, can just, I just know what to do. But here's what happens with feelings. They come and go, do they not? Feelings just like, like waves of the ocean, just like crashing and crashing and crashing. They're not consistent, right? So even f- our feelings are things that are transient. That's what he says, too, about the outer self, things that are transient. Even uh, some, some of us are very deep thinkers, right? So we would say, yeah, I know, Isaac, I know, I know, I know not to put my worth and my job and my finances and my, uh, my relationships. I know that. I'm smart. I'm very smart. I put my, I put my worth in my thoughts. Is it possible you've ever thought something that wasn't true? So even our thoughts can be transient. Even our thoughts can be temporary. There has to be something more, right? It is not our outer self is so transient, is so temporary. Careers come and go. Relationships will come and go. Um, Our finances will come and go. Um, Our feelings will come and go. Our thoughts will come and go. Just the practical situation that we're in will come and go. We need something deeper. We need something better. And Paul talks about the best option of where we put our worth. So let's read what he says. He says we put our worth 
in our inner self, right? We put our worth in our inner self. So let, let's, let's read it again, where he says, um, he's like, let me, can I just encourage you for a second? So this is Paul, when he says, do not lose heart, he's saying, look, church in Corinth, can I just, can I just encourage you for one moment? Can I just, can, can we just have a second where I can just encourage you so we don't lose heart? He says our inner self. You know what he says about the inner self? He says this. This is amazing. Do you guys see this? It's being renewed day by day. Our inner self, our inner most deepest parts of us is being renewed day by day. And it's not something that's temporary. Here's what he says about the inner self. It's an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. This is amazing, right? And then he says, look, you keep putting your worth in things that are seen. No, no, no. Your worth is not in things that are seen. Your worth, your inner self, that's going to be in things that are unseen, right? Things that are deep, deep, deep down that are unseen. Because, here's why he says that. Because for the things that are seen are transient, which we know, but here's this. But the things that are unseen are eternal, right? It's the things that we can't see that are eternal. So, so we talked about inner self. So what does that mean, right? Maybe like, okay, Isaac, I buy into this idea of inner self, but like, what does that mean? Do I need to like smoke hookah and like cross seance and like float in the air? Like what, how do I like get in touch with my inner self? Like what's, what are we doing here? here? Here's what the inner self is. So here are three eternal truths about your worth in Christ. Here are three eternal truths of your worth in Christ, right? So here's what, here's the truth, the first truth. It's the love of Christ, it's the love of Christ, right? A lot of us are asking, am I enough? Am I enough? Just me, who I am, me not having to do anything, me not having to achieve anything, me not having to perform for anybody, me not, excuse me, me not doing something to try to get somebody like me. Am I just enough with who I am? And here's what the truth of the gospel, your truth of your worth in Christ is yes. You are lavishly loved. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to perform for everybody. You don't have to put a mask on. You don't have to pretend that everything's okay. You, just in who you are and who Christ created you to be, are lavishly loved. You are enough. And we can have love of Christ. We can have love in Christ, right? And whenever we have the love of Christ, here's what we get. You remember that thing that we long for, significance? That's where our significance comes from. It's the love of Christ. That's where our significance is in. And can I, can I just be honest with you guys? I struggle with this all the time. I constantly think that I'm not enough. I constantly think that I need, that I need to achieve to get somebody's approval. I constantly think the only reason people like me is because I can at time tell a joke that's funny or I can go serve somebody or I can like, you know, lead a life group or I can, you know, do, these, do all of these things. I can work really hard. I can put together, as you'll see, some pretty nifty graphs and charts, right? <laughs> I think that's why people like me. But the truth of the gospel is that I don't have to do anything. And I constantly have to remind myself of this. In Isaac at 19, Isaac at 24, Isaac at 28, Isaac at 30, Isaac at 40, Isaac at 50, God willing, Isaac at 60, 70, 80, 90, 100, right? I will constantly have to remind myself of this truth, of that I am enough. And that's the same thing that some of us in this room will deeply, deeply struggle with as well. And I just want to encourage you that in Christ, the love of Christ, you are enough without having to do anything, without having to, to achieve, without having to perform, just you and your being. Okay, well, what's another truth that we have? What's another truth? We have uh, the peace of Christ, right? This is amazing. Another truth, we have the peace of Christ. And the peace of Christ, that's where our security comes from. It's not in finances. 
It's not in assets. It's not in resources. It's not in trying to structure our life in a way that we just don't, don't feel anxious about things. Because here, we're asking the question with, with peace of Christ because we're constantly asking, do I have enough? Do I have enough assets? Do I have enough resources? Do I have enough money? And here's what the truth is. You have a sufficient supply of everything you need today. You have a sufficient supply of everything you need today. But we get anxious and we get fearful because we can see today, but we're also looking at tomorrow. And we're like, I don't have enough for tomorrow. Let me hoard a little bit. I don't have enough for next week. I don't have enough for next month. I don't have enough for next year, right? But the truth of the gospel is that your worth in Christ is that you have a sufficient supply of everything that you need for today. That's what God promises right? And it's this amazing uh, journey that we get to take with Jesus, where the Holy Spirit that's guiding us and leading us and sustaining us, right? So that he's not, he's, um, that we just get to rely and trust in him to provide for all of our needs. For when? For today, right? And then tomorrow, we get to do it again. We get to trust that he's going to provide all of our needs for today. But can I be honest? I struggle with this. I struggle with this, right? Because I think, I'm sorry to think, I had a, literally had a meeting last week where uh, part of our, so I work here at First Orlando, and uh, we had a, um, even though we're a church, we're still kind of set up with retirement funds, and if we're a nonprofit, it's a 403B. Um, so if you work at a nonprofit, you know that. Maybe you have a 401k set up. Um, so I would, I always kind of thinking about retirement. I was kind of contributing a little bit and kind of have some stuff um, kind of set up. But I was like, I would always tell myself, uh, 22, 23, 24-year-old Isaac would say, I'll worry about it more when I'm 30. Guess what? I'm 30, right? So I go to, I was like, so they talk, talked about that meeting that we had last week, and I was like, I'm there, you know, taking extensive notes, like pulling on my computer, like, and then thinking literally right now in this moment, I'm thinking about, I need to email Tracy Bowen, who's our HR coordinator, because I need a form, can I change some stuff, right? I, I'm thinking about that, and I'm wondering, man, am, am I, am I going to have enough for when I retire? I want to be set up well, like, is that bad to do that? Like, and then, and then I look around, and I see people my own age, and even people a little younger than me that are buying houses, I'm like, oh, that's amazing for them. <laughs> that, that's my second thought. <laughs> my first thought is like, ah, right? So this, is, this, this idea of uh, peace in Christ, right? Like, I get it. So if that's you, that you struggle with peace in Christ, and you have anxiety, and you're wondering, man, am I going to have enough for tomorrow? Look, I get it. So the third eternal truth that we have is joy in Christ. Joy in Christ, right? We're wondering, like, hey, where does our joy come from? It comes from Jesus. It comes from joy in Christ. And with joy in Christ, here's what we're wondering. We're wondering, have I done enough? Am I doing the right things that are going to give me joy? Am I doing the things that are going to make me happy? Right? Like, what do I need to do? Am I doing, am I need to do that over there? Do I need to do that over there? And then we get to a fork in the road. Like, which one's going to bring me more joy? And I think I don't want to make this decision over here because that, I don't think that's going to bring me joy. And then we make a decision. And then we think, did I make the decision that bring me the most joy? Right? And then we second guess ourselves all the time. And we don't know if we're doing the right thing ever. And here's the truth of the gospel is that you, you don't have to, well, the truth of the gospel is that you have done enough because you have a unique and meaningful purpose. You have a unique and meaningful purpose. Here's what's cool. So whenever Jesus got baptized, um, the, God the Father is in the heavens. The Holy Spirit was like a dove. Jesus is getting baptized. And before Jesus did any ministry, here's what the Father said. He says, this is my son in who I am well pleased. 
Jesus hadn't atoned for the sins of the world yet. And the father saying, I am so pleased with my son, right? I know what, what he's going to do, but for now, right, I'm just so pleased with who he is. I am so pleased with his unique and meaningful purpose. And you may not atone for the sins of the world. You won't, because um, you just did. But you have a unique and meaningful purpose, right? So whenever we're trying to figure out um, this joy in Christ, here's what's going to bring us. Success. Success. We don't have to try all of these things to try to get success, to try this thing over here, and then feel like our work brings us validation. Some of us are really, really amazing employees, really amazing workers, have really um, awesome, like entrepreneurs and business owners are really good at creating gatherings where people have an amazing time, um, are really good for kind of financially and really good at um, being able to kind of navigate um, the, you know, the, um, the stock market and things like that, and you're constantly doing and doing and doing and thinking that that's what brings you joy in the truth of the gospel is that we have joy in Christ, and our joy in Christ is what brings us success, not our career, right? Not our career. So for me, again, haha, I struggle with this, right? I struggle with this. I'm someone that I, I work hard. My close friends know I work a lot. It's really hard. I love what I do here. Um, I love what I get to do here working with y'all. But here's the thing. Here's how the enemy takes me out. He thinks that it's my, it's my work, the things that I do that bring me joy, Right? And then I constantly feel like I'm not doing enough. Right? And then, you know, I'm, you know, with, with life groups and meeting one-on-one with people and getting to speak and then, you know, working with our table hosts here and constantly doing and doing and doing and doing. And then, here's the thing. I share an office with Dunk Hakens, who has a PhD. Right? And my boss's boss's boss's, no, boss's boss's boss. Anyway, Pastor, Pastor David also a very smart guy. I got to uh, travel with him uh, yesterday, this really cool setting where he was speaking, and just like seeing him, he is amazing, right? And he's a really good speaker. He is amazing in like a medium-sized kind of conference room as well. I got to experience that, and just there, just sitting there thinking, man, how the decisions that I've made up to this point, is it going to get me to where they are, right? Am I doing the right thing now? Am I doing enough now? And then I start comparing myself, and then I start getting, trying to guard against envy and trying to guard against comparison. And, that, and then the enemy is using that. So here's a quote that I've heard. Um, comparison is the thief of joy. Comparison is the thief of joy. Right? And then as I think through what I'm doing, I'm constantly comparing myself, figuring out, am I, do I have joy? Right? But here's the truth of the gospel is that I have joy in Christ, and I have a unique and meaningful purpose, as do you sitting exactly where you are. Right now, without doing anything, just sitting, soaking in, you have a unique and meaningful purpose, which is incredible, and I'm so excited for you, right? So again, the big idea, your worth is not in your work. Said another way, your worth is not in your progress, right? Some of you just feel behind. You feel like you're not where you want to be when it comes to decisions, when it comes to life. You're in a quarter-life crisis. You're coming out of it. You're just trying to figure out. You feel just very disoriented. Your worth is not in your progress, right? Whatever, wherever you wanted to be whenever you were younger and wide-eyed and bushy-tailed, right? Wherever, where, wherever you wanted to be, and you, you get to that moment to where you realize that you're not there because guess what? You're not a fortune teller. You don't know where you're going to be. So then we set up these expectations for ourselves, and guess what? Reality does not meet expectations. Then we get disappointed, and then we're like, ah, fooey. Come on, God. I thought we had a deal, right? Our, our, our worth is not in our progress and what we keep coming back to. Your worth is not in your decision-making because your decision-making is going to be inconsistent. It will. You're going to make some really amazing decisions, 
right? You came to the table. It was a good decision, right? You, you're gonna, but also, you're going to make some really not great de- You're going to make some really, you're going to suck sometimes. <laughs> you're going to make some really bad decisions. And if you feel like you're someone who's made some really bad decisions in life, next week, that's when we're talking about how do I move forward for my guilt and shame, you're definitely going to want to be there. Because you know what? That's all of us. We all have guilt and shame. We call the table a banquet for the broken. So if you feel like you're someone who's made some really bad decisions in life, welcome. You're in good company. I have. We all have. Right? So our worth is not in our decision making. Right? Our worth is in Christ. Okay, so if we know that our worth is not in our work and our decision making, right, but the reality is we still need to work. <laughs> Right? We may feel this inner self that our worth in Christ deep within us, but the reality is that, look, we still need to live in reality. We still need to make decisions. We still need to live in the outer self, right? Because that's where our job is, and that's where our finances are, and that's where our relationships are. So how do we navigate the outer self kind of thing while we know that, but deep within us, we have worth in Christ? So how do we, how do we navigate that? How do we integrate the inner self of our worth in Christ with the outer self of the external circumstances that we live in? How do we do that? You guys want to know? Let's go. So here, so the question that we keep coming back to, so how do we make decisions knowing that our worth is in Christ, right? And we get to these fork in the road moments with these little decisions that we have to make, with these medium decisions that we have to make, and with these big decisions that we have to make. So here we go, as I call decision-making 2.0. Decision-making 2.0. Maybe decision-making 1.0 left you feeling a lack of security, a lack of success, and a lack of... um, Security, success, and uh, significance. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Y'all are paying attention. This is good. This is awesome. Yeah, so maybe some of the decision-making 1.0 just left you feeling worthless. Let's do decision-making 2.0. Maybe that may work a little better uh, for you. So decision-making 2.0. Here we go. And uh, to be honest, can can I be honest with you guys? Is that cool? Okay. To be honest, so I read 1 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and I had then no idea what to do with that. I read it, and I was like, okay, I know that my inner self is, um, I feel like a worth, okay, worth in Christ, okay, got that. Outer self, cool, I got that. I don't know what to do. I didn't, I didn't know what to do. So you know how I, you know how I arrived at decision-making 2.0? This is amazing. I kept reading the Bible. This is incredible. <laughs> I did. I kept reading. I was like, surely... <laughs> Surely the Apostle Paul seems like a smart guy. He quotes Plato. Uh, seems like a smart guy. Surely he has this figured out. Maybe I can learn from Paul. So I'm, I don't know what to do here, so I'm just going to keep reading. And you know what I got to? I got to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And then I kept reading, and then I kept reading. And then I arrived at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20. It'll be here on your screen here. I'm making it a little difficult on the slide, guys. But 2 Corinthians chapter 5, where he says this, Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. So here's what's going on here. Our worth starts with God, right? That's where our worth comes from, from Jesus, from God, right? Who then, God in his worth and infinite greatness and glory gives us worth as his children, right? So that's where he says this, is that he wants us to be reconciled to God. Like God wants to give us our, our worth, right? Be reconciled to God. But then, not only that, it's not just about us. Do you know that some of the decisions that you make affect other people? 
So he says here, not only are we to be reconciled to God, we are to be ambassadors for God. So in our decision-making, right, we want to look at um, some things going on here to where the, th- the thing that we deeply crave, which is significance, sure, one th- yes. The thing that we deeply crave, which is security, yes. The thing that we deeply crave, which is uh, success, yes. But let's remember that significance first comes from God, which is the love of Christ. And then security comes from God, which is the peace of Christ. And then success comes from God, which is the joy of Christ. But as we looked at uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20, the verse that we just looked at, we need to consider two things in this. We need to consider ourselves as we're reconciled to God, but we also need to consider others as we're reconciled to God. And now this creates a very nifty chart, which then, that I call decision-making 2.0, right? And as we said, there are little decisions that we make, there are big me- medium decisions that we make, and there are big decisions that we make. So little decisions, this is going to change your day. A little decision that you make will change your day. A medium decision that you make, that may change your next few months, right? A medium decision that you make, it's going to change your next few months, right? A big decision that you make, that's going to change your years, all right? So, but we can use this chart um, as, we, as, we, um, as we look through some decisions that we can make. So maybe some little decisions are, um, what do I wear? Do I call in for work today? Do I go to the table today? Do I text back? Um, do I go to the party, right? Those are little decisions that's just going to change your day, right? And you're like, you don't know my texting. <laughs> but here's the one I want to look at, little decision. Do I take a shower? Do I take a shower? So let's look at that. Okay, so significance is um, that love of Christ, so we, God gives us significance. So as we think through ourselves as significant is that we are worthy to be presented clean, Okay, so we'll do, so yourself, what about, what about security? Security is that uh, people are not going to like run away from you, okay? So uh, success, uh, I don't, I can, honestly I can go either or on success with yourself and showering. I don't know, you, you make the call. Okay, what about others? Does showering make other people feel significant? Yes, <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, does, uh, how about security? This is the big one, right? This is the big one. How does showering affect other people's security? right? You just create this wave of like 10 feet around you where nobody wants to sit around you and people don't feel safe, right? Um, and what about, what about success? How, how in, your, in your showering or non-showering, right? How do we um, help other people be successful? How do we set them up well? How, how do we make them a hero? I don't really know if showering impacts that, so I, I don't know. But so here's what you, so you can see that there are certain things that are going to impact more than others, but this is still just a helpful lens as we think through some of our decision-making. Okay, so that was kind of, that was for fun. Let's go to this one. Let's go to this one. Uh, medium decision. Who do I live with? Right, who do I live with? This is going to change your next few months, maybe even your next 12 months, right? Or maybe, you know, because it's Orlando and rent is expensive. Come on, all right? So you sign like that like 18, 18 month lease just to like try to get it as cheap as possible. But either way, who do I live with? This is a, um, a medium decision, right? So significance for yourself. I don't know. You have, to, you have to figure that out. How does this impact you? Maybe the person you're living with constantly makes you feel down about yourself. They're constantly putting you down. They're constantly making you feel worthless. They're not helping to remind you that your worth is in Christ, right? They're just, so, so there's that. Uh, what about security? Maybe the person that you live with, we did the whole Friends Plus series. So maybe the person you live with, you're considering two people. One seems to just be a really, really safe person. You just feel very secure 
um, around this person, right? And you, you feel that. Um, and what about um, success, right? So this person is for you, is championing you, right? They want to help you thrive. They're like, hey, can we like, be like accountability partners, right? So that'd be a really cool thing, helping you with your success. Okay, well, what about um, who do I live with uh, when it comes to others? May so maybe you're like, you know what? I think that me living with this person would really, really help them out, right? I think that, you know, but um, I think that me living with this person would bring them a lot of security, Right? And I think that me living with this person, really, I can make them a hero maker. Right? I can really help with their success. But here's the thing. You need to consider all of the things. It, all of it is integrated. So maybe somebody um, is, you would bring them a lot of security, but they would absolutely destroy your security. So what do you do? I don't, I don't know. But remember, where's your worth? Not in your work. So where is your worth? Not in this decision. A lot of us stress so much about these decisions that we make, thinking it's life or death, thinking that, oh my gosh, this is my life. And yes, this is your life, but this is temporary. It's temporary. It's transient. It's wasting away. This is not eternal. What is eternal is your worth in Christ. So we can use our worth in Christ to help inform how we think through the Adam circumstances, but you have to remember that every single thing outside of your worth in Christ is going away one day. So that helps relieve some of the stress that we feel when it comes to making decisions. Okay, so that's a medium decision. What about a big decision? A big decision. Do I change jobs, right? Do I change jobs? What do I do with my career? Do I stay in this job? Do I stay, um, you know, do, do I stay working at Blockbuster? What is this, 1990? <laughs> or, or do I, do I, um, I was, tr I started like thinking of people, so I was trying to avoid, so if I landed on you, I wasn't picking, picking on you. Um, or do I, you know, do I try, do I go, do I go to school as I'm working full time to try to like advance my career? What do I do? What do I do? And we feel so much stress about it, do we not? And we're like, this thing that keeps us up at night. And then here's what we think too. We think, if I choose wrong, I am outside of God's will. Because we think that God is like, there's like, here's job number one, and here's job number two, and here's job number three, but don't choose wrong because I have a lightning bolt and I'm going to strike you if you get the wrong door. Sometimes when it comes to decision making, that's what we think. We think, and then we're like mad at God because we're like, God, can you just tell me what you want so I can do that? Here's what God wants. God wants you to know that your worth is in Christ. Anything outside of that is free game outside of sin. There's better options, there's worse options, but even if you choose the lesser of two options that you find out later, you just make the decision with the information that you have as best as you can and don't feel like you're outside of God's will. Because you're not, if your worth is in Christ, right? Because our decision-making, even our job, our job, as we, as we see, as we change career and career and career, your job is not where your success is. Your success is in your joy, Right? Your job is not in your significance. Your job is not in your significance because your significance is in your love for Christ, love for others, the compassion you have for yourself. Right? Your job is not in your security because your security comes from peace of Christ. And God knows whatever, with whatever job that you have, God knows and God tells us that he's going to provide for us for today. And as we think through, obviously I've had now, this is my fourth full-time job. I talked about my dream job that, that didn't, didn't work out, uh, right? So I, I love this, but I also know that as much as I love, I love, I love the table, the table is going to go away one day. 
It is, right? I hope it's for 100 years, but eventually it's going away. My job, my role, all right, as one of the pastors here is going away one day, right? It's temporary. Everything is temporary. First Baptist Orlando is temporary, right? You know what's eternal? The kingdom of God. You know what's eternal? Your soul. You know what's eternal? The, your, your worth in Christ with your significance and security and success and your love of Christ, your peace of Christ, and your joy in Christ. So do not stress about decisions that we make because God's got you, right? He's not there. He's not there to like try to like mis- misguide you or like you better choose right. Like, well, our God is loving and he's going to walk with us along the way. Is that cool? Okay, so now here's here's just some some practicals, um, some practicals as the um, and with some with some uh, big decisions, um, you know that's like a career, that's like a living location, that's do I pay off debt, do I save for retirement, that's do I keep renting, do I buy real estate, that's like do I change jobs. We, we talked about all that, all that's temporary. It's all temporary, right? You don't need to second guess yourself. It's temporary. So here, here's some practicals. Um, the bigger the decision, the longer you need to make it. The bigger the decision, the longer you need to make it, right? So, so for some of us, that's pretty intuitive. Um, but for some of us, we stress out so much around what shirt to wear. And we're like, and then we're like texting our friends, like, do I wear this or do I wear this? Do I wear this? Do I wear this? Do I wear this or this? And your friend's like, well, what about that? You're like, oh, yeah. Do I wear this or do I wear this? Do, you know, we'll spend hours and hours and hours trying to figure out what show to binge, Right? Look, little decisions, you know, they're, they're there. They're going to change your day. They're not going to change your years. You don't, we don't need to spend a significant amount of time, right? And then we're, um, and we're like asking all of our friends to help us. I don't know if I should, I don't know at Chick-fil-A if I should get the number one or the nuggets. <laughs> right? You know you're going back tomorrow to get the other thing, right? So the bigger the decision, the longer you need to make it. Small decisions really only need a small amount of time. But big decisions need, need, a, need more time, right? Because some of us, we're impulsive. In our impulsivity, we'll make major decisions on a snap of a finger. And we're like, your life group's texting you like, hey, where are you? And you're like, I moved to Ireland. And you're like, what? <laughs> like, what's, what's, like, what's, you're like, yeah, I watched Leap Year and I moved to Ireland. And you're like, when? You're like, last night. You're like, what's going on? Right? Big decisions need more time, right? We just need more time to process. Right? This is a big decision. It's a, again, your worth is not in your work. Your worth is not in your decision making. But it does impact some things on the outer self that is temporary, but it's real. Right? So we need to consider um, some of the practical stuff um, as we think through our decision making. So small decisions just need a small amount of time. Big decisions need a big time. And if you need help figuring that out, what's, if it's a small decision or a larger decision, um, how much of your life is it going to impact? Right? For some of us, we're like, man, I don't know, like... <sighs> I don't know if I should, like, join a life group because that seems like I've just committed my life away. No, you haven't. You've committed one gathering. You've committed a few months, right? You're not, it's not, go, don't, I don't know, like, right? Some of us, we stress so much. So small decisions, small time, big decisions, big time. Okay, practical, second practical. The bigger the decision, the more community buy-in you need. The bigger the decision, the more community buy-in you need. Um, again, we don't need to be like fasting for 40 days to figure out um, if, if you should buy soap. I don't know. <laughs> right? Maybe you're like, you're showering. is like Isaac, me showering is actually a big decision, not a little decision. Right? So we, we, don't, we don't need to be, I mean, you can. So let, me, let me refrain. You can if you want to. That's, that's cool. I'm, 
Right, so there, there's freedom in Christ. So everything that I'm talking about so far is freedom in Christ. It's, not, it's temporary. It's going away. I'm just saying from, from a practical level, we don't need to be like exhausting ourselves and stressing ourselves out over little decisions and asking everyone we know and like getting billboards like on I-4 to try to like help us figure out this decision that we make. Of, you can do that, but it's, you're going to end up stressing yourself out. But um, at the same time, though, bigger decisions need more community, right? When you're figuring out, hey, what city should I live in, right? And not city like Windermere or Orlando, city like Orlando or like L.A., like that type of city, right? Or if you're considering, hey, who should I, I'm considering like dating this person. Um, and da- even dating in itself, as we talked about in a Friends Plus series, seems to be more of a medium decision than a big decision. Um, but y- let's say things are getting more serious, right? And then all of a sudden, you got engaged, and your community is like, whoa, what happened? <laughs> right? Big decisions need more community buy-in. Why? Because people love you and can help you see your blind spots. And if it's a big decision, it's going to impact years of your life. You want people that love you speaking into it. Right? You're wondering, hey, how do I avoid a string of like failed relationship after failed relationship after failed relationship after failed relationship? Here's why. Ask people that love you to speak into your dating life. Right? Again, if you missed all of that, this is all in our, I'm just recapping our Friends, our friends Plus series with community buy-in. But even with jobs, there are people that, ha- that know you well, that know your skill set. Um, so then you're just like job after job after job after job after job, and maybe you're working a job that you don't like, and then you're just like frustrated about it, but not, not talking about it, and allowing people to speak into that. And maybe you're so set on this one thing, but it doesn't seem to be happening. Ask for community buy-in. They want to help you make these big decisions. Okay? Your people in your life love you, right? And this is what we do in life groups. If you're ever curious what life group is, this is all we do. We go around and we figure out, hey, here's this thing that I have. Here's something unexpected that happened. Here's this this decision that I need to make. Can you guys speak into it? So with truth and with grace, with compassion, but also, you know, not with, you know, with with grace not holding back. Um, This is a great way to have people to process decision making, right? And last practical Remember, as the band comes up, remember, your worth is not in your work. Your worth is not in your decision-making. We just spent, I don't know, the last 20 minutes talking about how to make decisions, which is helpful and it's practical, but I want to make sure I remind us of what's true and most important, is that your worth is not in your work. Your worth is not in your decision-making. Your worth is in your worth in Christ. Right? And that's where we put our hope in, that's where we put our trust in, and that's where we're going to get peace, and that's where we're going to get love, and that's where we're going to get joy. And I, so um, with 2 Corinthians chapter 5, uh, verse 20, I want to read the next verse, because this is arguably one of the best verses in the entire Bible, where he says this. Hey, as you're figuring out how to be an ambassador, as you're figuring out um, how to be reconciled to God, as you're figuring out how to be reconciled, you know, just for you, just your own, like, emotional health and what you're doing, and as you process how you can be an ambassador for other people, consider this. Consider this. For our sake, he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we may become the righteousness of God. Friends, This is the gospel. This is the gospel. God knew that in our work, we would never be able to do enough, that we would never feel like we're enough, that we would never feel like we have enough. God knew that, right? Our first parents, Adam and Eve, they struggled with this. We've struggled with this for thousands and thousands of years. 
Here's the truth of the gospel, though, is that Jesus did all the work for us so we don't have to, right? Our worth is not in our work. Our work is in his work that he did. So we can just put our faith, our hope, and our trust in Jesus, knowing that he's going to guide us, that he's going to lead us, that he's going to sustain us, that he sent his Holy Spirit to guide us and to lead us. So whenever, if you're in Christ, you literally have God inside of you as you're processing your decisions, right? So if you're at a fork in the road and you're like, I don't know if I should turn right, I don't know if I should turn left, here's what God says, I'm with you. I'm with you. I've sent my spirit to be with you. And God sending his spirit to be with you is made possible through this verse. For our sake, for us, for us, God the Father sent him. This is Jesus. God the Father sent Jesus to be sin. You know all those crappy decisions that we make? God knew we were going to make them. And you know what? He sent his son Jesus anyway. Why? Because he loves you. Because he loves me. Because he loves us. Right? So God made him, for our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin. Jesus, he never made a bad decision. Jesus was perfect. Jesus did everything the right way, but he took on the punishment of people who did things wrong. Why? So that we could have our worth in him. So for our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him, in Jesus, our worth in Christ we become the righteousness of God. God's not mad at us. God's not angry with us. God is not going to punish us. Why? Because Jesus took our punishment. And that's where we have freedom in our decision-making because of Jesus. So maybe you're sitting here now and you're processing some major decision, whether it be a little decision, whether it be a medium decision, or whether it be a big decision. Um, hey, if that's you, if you're processing just something, it can be literally anything, any decision that we're making. Can I have you just stand up right now? If there's any decision that you want to make, any decision that you're stressing about, anything at all, can I have you stand up? Because I want to pray for you. Any decision at all. Don't feel the need to stand up just because everyone else is standing up. Like, seriously, just you, you know if you have a decision that you want, that you're trying to make, that you want prayer for. Because I just want to pray for you. Right? Because I want to I remind us what um, Paul says, so we do not lose heart. Don't lose heart. Don't lose heart in your decision-making. God's with you. So we're, I'm going to pray for you, and then after I pray, we'll just have everybody stand, and we're just going to sing a song of response just as we process. Maybe it's not a decision now. Maybe it's a decision later, right? But we know that even when we get to the later decision, we know that God is with us. We pray.